Speaking of our Christmas sermon series, it's entitled Gift Exchange, and here's the basic gist. Uh, Although most holidays involve the giving of gifts, Christmas is unique in that it's really the only holiday where you exchange gifts. It's one of the few times where when you give a gift to somebody else, you kind of do so with the expectation you're going to get something in return from them. And I've come to believe that gift exchanges are a big part of the Christmas season because they actually speak to the very essence of Christmas itself. You see, gift exchanges have been a part of Christmas since the very first Christmas, since Christ was first born. The wise men were not the only ones to bring gifts to Jesus. Every person in the story brought something to him and in exchange received something else from him. See, Christmas is an invitation from God himself to bring that which you are willing or able and in return receive that which you can only imagine. It's the power of Christmas. It's the gift exchange from the shepherds uh, from, uh, in the fields to the wise men from the east. The story of Christmas is truly one of incredible exchanges. And last week we looked at the first of those exchanges, the one that took place between the wise men and the Lord. And the exchange that they made at the manger that very first Christmas is an exchange that we can still make today. And it's simply this. We give God our search, our search for meaning or happiness or rest or fulfillment or to fill the void in our heart. We give him that search and in response and in return, God gives us his son. For to us, a child is born, a son is given. See, Jesus, the person of Jesus, God in the flesh, Jesus, Emmanuel, Jesus, he is truly what our hearts long for and what are restless to find. And no matter where else we look and no matter where else we turn, no matter what our direction we might go in, God is wanting to bring us back to Jesus. He's putting all these signs in our life to bring us to Jesus because he's who we need. And this morning, I'm excited to talk about the second great exchange that took place this time, and this one involving a young teenage girl named Mary. Let me pray over us, and we'll jump into that. God, we ask now that you will open our hearts and minds to the wonder of this story and the power of your truth. Would your Holy Spirit now come in and enlighten our hearts and change us, Father? We pray your word comes alive to us now in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. To start the message, I need to talk about interruptions. I don't know about you, but I hate to be interrupted. Except for the uh, standing ovation midway through sermon. Feel free to do that anytime you want. Okay, I don't mind that one bit. Anyway, but interruptions are a huge part of life, are they not? And they come in all different shapes and sizes. There are the classic verbal interruptions during a conversation. Uh, Kanye, Donald Trump, and Hillary Clinton know all too well about those type of interruptions. But so do mommies and daddies when they're trying to have an adult conversation with the kids around. Daddy, 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 daddy. There are interruptions to travel plans when the flight is delayed or canceled, when the road is closed. What do you mean it's going to take six hours to get to Silverthorne? There are interruptions to your quiet time. Or actually, I should say to your professional sporting events. Let's start there, right? Animals run out on the field. And for some reason, squirrels seem to enjoy doing this more than most. I'm not, not sure why. How about the quiet time? There are interruptions to our quiet time with the Lord. Every time uh, the phone rings, the kids wake up early from their nap, the dog starts barking hysterically in the backyard for no reason, and your quiet time is anything but. There are interruptions at work, right, to your productivity. You're bombarded with one random email or phone call or drop-in visitor 
one after another. And life is interrupted when the internet goes down. No, what do I do now? I'm so lost. Right in there. There are even jokes, jokes whose very punchline revolves around the idea of interruptions. Uh, this scene from the movie Home captures it perfectly. Watch this. You know, when I'm stressed out, my mom tells me jokes. Boove do not do telling jokes. Oh, it's not that hard. I'll teach you. Knock, knock. You'd say, who's there? You are there. No, just ask me. Well, who is there? Now I say, the interrupting cow. Now you say, the interrupting cow who? Let's just do it. Knock, knock. Uh, who is there? The interrupting cow. The interrupting Moo! cow. <laughs> wait, no, wait, you did not let me finish my response. I was to say the interrupting Moo! cow. Oh, yeah, you did it again. Oh, that is the joke. The cow is to being an interrupting cow. It therefore interrupts me. I know. That's why it's funny. Moo! Let me. <laughs> See, life is full of interruptions, and the ones that we just mentioned are somewhat comical and rather harmless, somewhat inconsequential when compared to other interruptions in life. Uh, just when you sell the crib and all the baby clothes, moo, you're pregnant. This is not an announcement, church. It's just an example. Just when you're ready to retire, moo, the economy falls apart. Just when you thought your plans were finalized, moo, more school, more layoffs, more surgery, more treatments. See, interruptions are an inevitable part of life. They're also an inevitable part of the Christmas season, if you think about it. That perfect gift that you picked out, yeah, it's sold out on back order till next July. Great. Cousin Bert and his wife Mary Lou, yeah, they're actually going to be in town for Christmas this year. They want to see you, and they want to park the Winnebago in front of your house for the month. The diet you're trying to keep, the budget you're trying to maintain, well, the eggnog and the cyber deals, they were just too good to pass up. Chances are many of us are dealing with interruptions this holiday season or maybe even this season of life. When what you wanted, what you planned on, what you've been working towards, what you've been hoping for, they don't even match or come close to what you're actually experiencing and if that describes you, then I have a person you need to spend some time talking to. Her name is Mary of Nazareth. And more than any other character in all the Bible, Mary knows what it's like to be interrupted. Interrupted by God, in fact. You see, some interruptions are the result of bad luck or bad timing or, or people's bad manners or bad conversational skills. But some interruptions are divine. Some are orchestrated by God himself. Sometimes the God of the heavens and the earth reaches down from heaven and shakes things up on the earth. And Mary knows a thing or two about these type of interruptions. Let me show you what I mean. Mary was said to be highly favored by the Lord. And she's also the one chosen to give birth to the Lord. She's a pretty big deal. This is how her story goes. Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. No word from God will ever fail, the angel said. Well, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. The little bit that we know about Mary, it's truly fascinating. We know that she was born and lived in a little town called Nazareth. Nazareth is about 100 miles north of Jerusalem, and most historians believe that Nazareth was populated by about 400 folk at the time of this story. 400 illiterate, hardworking, common folk day laborers at best, who were doing their absolute best to put food on the table. We also learn that she's just been pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. This means that her father has found a suitable husband for her, a man who can take the responsibility of caring for her on into his own home. Maybe the father and Joseph struck up a business deal, but Joseph is a good husband for this young girl, and she is a young girl. Most were engaged or promised to be married between the ages of 13 and 17, so Mary, we're not talking about some older, seasoned woman who has her master's degree. She's a hardworking, young professional. She's been on the dating scene for a little while. No, 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 no. We are talking about someone who is as pure and innocent and adolescent as you get. So this past week, I asked some of our girls, some of our teenage girls, to share with me what their plans are for the future. All these girls are around 15, 16, 17 years old, but, but this is what they said. This is who they are and what their hopes and dreams are moving forward. Watch this. This is so hard. <laughs> My plans for the future are to graduate high school and go to college at CSU. I want to get married and have kids, but I'm either going to have two or four because three or one wouldn't be good. My plans for the future is to go to college at CU. Okay. <laughs> and then I do eventually want to get married. Um, I want to have maybe three, four kids. Okay, where did you hold it, Taylor? Just That's right, right there. That's fine. I can hear you anywhere. You can? Yep. Perfect. Okay. okay. A little bit higher. I really want to go to um, University of Nebraska. I think I'll want to be a teacher and maybe teach elementary school. What else? What else do you want to do after college? I don't know. What do you think you want to study in college? I don't know yet. It changes every day. I'm like one of those three-year-olds. You're like, what do you want to do? <laughs> Teacher, what do you want to do now? I want to be a veterinarian. Then going to college to become a language arts teacher and hopefully move somewhere where I can uh, work with dolphins and see animals. I want to get married possibly and have kids. I want to get married and... I don't know. I just like want to have the life that I have now. Honestly, I think it's pretty good. So thank you, Mom and Dad. Go to college in Colorado and stay in Colorado with all of my family. I want to be a physical trainer. 
and eventually have a family and with some kids. And then I'm going to have a family of my own and have children, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, okay, I'm done. Thank you, guys. That was so hard. No, you did it, dude. You did it. Thank you to those girls. They had no idea what they were signing up for that evening. Think about this, church. Those girls are just like Mary. Or, or to flip it, Mary was just like those girls. I mean, that's the same age, life stage, maturity level, mindset, that this young woman named Mary was in when an angel visited her, when the spirit impregnated her, and when everybody, including the innkeeper, dejected her and dismissed her. And even though she lived in a very lowly circumstance, I believe she was looking forward to even dreaming about what her future might entail. Like any other young woman, like our young woman, she had plans, she had hopes, she had goals for the future. Maybe they weren't the same ones as the ones described on our, uh, on our video there. Maybe she didn't want to go to see you Boulder or be a dolphin trainer. But Mary had hopes. Mary had plans. She had dreams of what what the future might look like, what it might feel like. I imagine she planned on living a nice, quiet life with her future husband. I imagine she planned on having children of her own who would take up the family business. I imagine she planned on giving birth to her kids in the privacy of her own home, in the company of her own family. I imagine she planned on living in Nazareth her whole life. I imagine she planned on her children living out nice, quiet, God-fearing, rather uneventful lives. But when she said yes to that angel... When she said, may your words come to fruition in my life, she exchanged all of that. She was saying yes to one of the craziest exchanges to have ever taken place on this earth. And here's the second exchange we see taking place at the manger. Mary gave God her earthly plans, and God made her a part of his eternal purposes. Let me say it again. Mary handed over all of her plans, all the expectations and goals and dreams she had in this life. She said, Lord, you can have these. And in exchange, he said, you're now going to be a part of my eternal purposes. By saying yes in that moment, by allowing God to interrupt her, she was actually living out the words in 2 Timothy. She didn't even know it, but she is the perfect model for this verse. Be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Other translations say prepared to do his good work. Be a vessel for honor, Mary. Sanctified, Mary. Be useful to the master, Mary. And he will use you to do incredible work. Now there is no way Mary could have known. I love the song that Alyssa sang this morning. Mary, did you know? She could have, there was no idea she could have known all of the details. But she had to know something. She's not an idiot. She knew angels didn't just appear in your room and babies didn't just appear in your belly. She knew that a pregnant fiancé didn't make for a great wife. She knew that a single mom and child would have a very rough life. She didn't know all of the details. She didn't know how it was all going to work out, but she knew enough. And what she knew probably was not good. You want to talk about an interruption, church? This is it. Moo! Straight from the voice of God himself. Interrupting God, moo. And Mary heard it. And she was interrupted by it. And yet she agreed to it. 
She said yes to it. She more or less said, Lord, I have all these other things in mind. I can see what I want. I can see how all this unfolds. But I'll put all of that aside because I want to be a part of your eternal purposes. I mean, Mary in this moment is allowing God to interrupt everything. Nothing in this woman's life is going to be easy or the same ever again. That little baby being born in the barn to that little baby dying on a cross. And every moment in between, it's going to be one divine interruption after another. And she knew it. She had to know it. And she said yes to it. It's not the first one. It's not the first one to be interrupted by God in this way or to say yes to that interruption. Ask Abraham. Ask Peter. Ask Paul. All of them experience these divine interruptions where God says, I know you have plans for your life, but I need you to put those plans aside right now because I've got a purpose for you and I need you to carry it out. Abraham, it's not about staying here. Peter, it's not about literal fish. Paul, it's not about being the smartest guy in school. Put aside your plans and be a part of my purposes. And as I read through the scriptures, church, it's a tough, it's a tough truth to come to Uh, come to terms with, God doesn't mind interruptions nearly as much as we do. In fact, I kind of think he likes them. He likes to use them. It seems if one of the primary and most impactful ways that he speaks to us, that he reveals himself to us, that he moves in our lives is through interruptions. So what, what if interruptions aren't interruptions? What if they're invitations? What if they're invitations to be a part of something you would have never been a part of if left on your own. Why take a 15-year-old girl who probably wanted nothing than just to live, nothing more than to live a quiet life, be a good wife, she wanted to stay put in Nazareth, she wanted to just be a good, God-fearing Jew, why take her and thrust her into the chaos of the Christmas story? And, And God, why would you do that to her? And why do you do that to us? Why do you take our little lives and what we think and expect and hope to come to fruition, why do you take us from that and thrust us into chaos? Why do you interrupt us, God? Why? Because what he has in mind for you is far greater than what you have in mind for you. Why? Because what God wants to accomplish through you is far greater than what you think you're able to accomplish What Mary wanted for herself and what you want for yourself is nothing when compared to what God wants for you. That surprise pregnancy, the sudden census, that long road on the back of a donkey, the cattle stall that was used as a delivery room, the manger that's used as a bassinet, it's unpleasant, it's difficult, it's unexpected. Those are all interruptions to Mary's plans. And yet, it turned out to be the greatest night in human history. Was the first Christmas different than what Mary had in mind? Um, You think. But was it greater than what she could have ever imagined? You think? It turned out greater and more significant than she could have ever dreamed. God interrupted her, and she responded positively. He said, moo, and she said, okay, (laughs) She said, I'm willing, God, to go from the for now mindset that most of us live in to the forever mindset that God lives in.
You with me? She traded in the for now life and plans, and God said, now you're going to be a part of forever. That was the great exchange. And her response is classic, man. Normally when we get interrupted, we kick and scream and moan and wail. and like, oh, Things aren't working out the way that I want them to. Ah. Oh, that's just me? You guys are so godly that every time you interrupt, it's like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. I know it's coming for you Christmas morning. Liar. Anyway, Mary, though, she was interrupted in a way that no other human being in all of history has ever been interrupted. And when she, in, in response to that, she broke out in song. She started to sing. Luke 1, 46 and following. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to his ancestors. In response to this interruption in her life, Mary breaks out in song spontaneous song. I want you to try that next time someone interrupts you. Just break out in singing. Like, oh, excuse me, Tom's like, <laughs> next time the girls interrupt me and Beck, I'm just going to sing. <laughs> that's, that's so weird, isn't it? Who would do that? Mary. Mary would respond to this interruption with a song. In this song, Mary lists out all of these things that God has done. And it's this amazing song, and I, I kind of stand and read it dumbfounded. I'm like, Mary, 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 do you understand what's happening here? God just totally disrupted, let alone dismantled your life. And here you are singing his praise? How's that even possible? A song is coming out, not a curse? Well, she goes through, like I said, and lists all the things that God has done, all these mighty deeds. And she goes back and gives us a little history lesson. She goes back thousands and thousands of years. And her song seems to suggest that what God has done over the course of all these thousands of years, he is now doing through her. She's now a part of everything God has been doing throughout all of history past. And now, for all of eternity future, she'll be talked about in that same story. In the song, Mary is saying, that same God who brought down rulers and, and who helped Israel, who fed the hungry and who brought the prophets about and, and who was moving in the Red Sea, that same God is now moving in me. That same God has now invited me to do great things with him and through him and for him. That's why you sing out in song. And I think God wants us to sing out in song because that same offer is being made to every single person in this room. You don't have to just read about what God has done in the past. You can be a part of what God is doing in the present. You don't have to just list off through a song or whatever it might be the mighty deeds that God has done throughout others' lives. You can be a part of his mighty deeds and have them be a part of your own life. You don't have to just talk about Mary saying yes to God. You can say it yourself. 
but to be a part of that story, to say, I'm going to do great things for God. He's going to do great things for me. I'm now moving from the for now to the forever. To do that, you've got to exchange. You've got to exchange your plans for his purposes. You've got to be willing to be interrupted by him. You have to be okay exchanging what you have in mind for your life for what God has in mind. You have to be okay exchanging your preferences and priorities for his preferences and his priorities. And like Mary, you have to trust. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel good. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. There's going to be pain and shame in the process. I probably wouldn't volunteer for this on my own. But God, your purposes are always better, infinitely better than my plans. If there's one thing that I know to be true about God, it's this, that his purpose for your life is always better than the plan you have for your life. You with me? I don't know why you can't find the job that you are perfectly qualified for right now. I don't know why you are struggling to make ends meet right now, but maybe God is interrupting you. And maybe he's trying to get you, like he did Mary, to exchange your plans for his purposes. I don't know why you can't get pregnant right now. I don't know why you can't have another child right now. I don't know why. But in light of this story, maybe God's trying to interrupt you. Maybe he's trying to get you to be like Mary and to exchange your plans for his purposes. I don't know why you lost the person you care so deeply about or why the relation, relationship ended the way that it did. I don't know why your health is failing or why things turned ugly so quickly. I don't know why, but maybe God is interrupting you. And maybe just like Mary, he's trying to get you to exchange your plans for his purposes. You with me? I'm sorry, this is coming out much harsher than I wanted to. I'm excited about that. Maybe, maybe he's asking you to exchange your plans for his purposes. Maybe he's interrupting you. See, his purposes are to seek and save the lost. His purposes are to bring help and hope and, and healing to a very broken world. His purposes are to make all things new. His purpose is to bring light to the darkness, love to the lonely, salvation to the lost. Our plans, they're fine, they're good, whatever about our plans. They're so limited. Our plans are so finite, they're so fickle. Our plans are so selfish and so safe. None of those things can be said about God's purposes. We think out a few weeks, God's thinking out for all of eternity. We're concerned about our quality of life on the earth. God is concerned about resurrecting the earth. We think we know what is good for us. God is working out all things for our good. See, it's not about your calendar. It's about your character. It's not about your future. It's about your faith. It's not about your plans. It's about God's purposes. And sometimes, to remind us of that, to wake us up to that, he's got to interrupt you. He's got to come in and mid-joke, because you need to be interrupted. You need to see again what's most important. And he wants you to be a part of this amazing story that's been written for all of eternity past, and he wants you to be a part of it for all of eternity future. So what does this look like for you? I don't, I don't know. I, I do know this. You've got to spend some time with the Lord over the next couple of days and weeks. You need to be alone with him and, and sit with him at the manger. You need to have an angel come to you and visit you and speak into your life. You've got to figure out what plans are you holding on to so tightly 
What interruptions are you trying to dismiss and disregard? What purposes are you being invited into that you're like, yeah, no, I don't want to be a part of that. Only the Lord knows the answer to that question. Only the Lord knows what your plans are besides you. I'm going to get you one day. I am going to get you. Only the Lord knows what your plans are, and only the Lord knows what his good purposes for you are. And so you've got to spend some time with him. Could you carve out 15 minutes every day the next week to just sit with him? And guys, for some of you, that's going to be really hard, but could you just sit with him for a while and just say, listen, here are my plans, Lord, but what are your purposes? And if they're different, would I be willing to exchange the one for the other? 15 minutes a day this week could change your life forever. Are you willing to do that? To get you started on that, to help you with that, we're going to do a little activity this morning as we wrap it up. It's going to start this morning, but your homework is going to kind of carry out the rest of the week. This little activity is known as the Red Envelope Challenge. We've done this in years past. It's been a while, so we're bringing it back. We have uh, taken some of the money that you guys have given in your Give One donation box every month and every week. Uh, We've saved it the last couple of weeks, and we're going to give it back to you. So guys, if you would come on down, uh, we have red envelopes. In every single envelope, there's $10 or $15. And there's an envelope for every single one of you in this room. If we run out, come find me. I'll give it to you out of my own wallet. But maybe not. I'll talk to the elders. We want every single person in here right now to take one of these envelopes. And here's what we're going to ask you to do. We want you to use this money to go interrupt somebody's life over the next couple of days or weeks. Teens, take, it. take this money, do it at school. Jay, hi, we want you to do it. Our older crowd, we want you, everybody, take an envelope, and we want you to go interrupt somebody's life the next couple of days or weeks. That interruption might take place through a, a drink at Starbucks, maybe a bag of groceries at the store, a meal at a restaurant, maybe some other type of tangible gift. Go interrupt somebody with this money. And interrupt them in the best way possible. But here's the the catch. We want you to do it and get to know the person that you're doing it for. Now get to know, maybe it's just a a handshake and a name. Hey, I'm, I'm Thomas. Just wanted to bless you today. But don't do it anonymously, okay? At least try your hardest not to do it anonymously. Don't don't run and hide, don't run off as you're doing it. Try to interact with this person. Because the hope is that when you interrupt them in this way, what you're actually doing is, inter- is, is introducing them to the God who wants to interrupt their life in a very different way. You with me? You interrupt them through this little envelope. And there is power in what you can do with this money this week. You interrupt them in this way. What? What are you, talk- what are you talking about? What's going on here? Who did what? Someone bought my what? You interrupt them in that way. And maybe, just maybe, you're introducing them to the God who wants to interrupt their life in a very different way. Oh, it's so good. I'm anxious to hear the stories. So, I'm not sure if I'll ever enjoy being interrupted, especially by the kids or by the phone or some horrible conversationalist. But my hope, church, my goal for you this Christmas season is that you'll start to be okay being interrupted by the Lord. Because you know that when he interrupts you, it's simply an ask. It's an opportunity to exchange. Exchange your plans for his purposes And I hope that you, like Mary, will bust out in a song because you're so excited about that opportunity invitation. Let me pray that over you, and we'll send you out to go spend some money on people. God, we are grateful that you are a God who loves us too much to allow us to stay stuck in our own little worlds and our own little lives and our own little plans. 
There's nothing wrong, God, with our plans to have a family and make some money and have kids and get married, be a dolphin trainer. God, there's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with those plans, God. But those plans are so much smaller than what you probably have in mind for us. And so we pray that you will help us to exchange those plans for your good, eternal purposes. Would we allow you over the next couple of days and weeks to interrupt us? And if we've been interrupted over the last calendar year, God, would we stop kicking and screaming? Would we allow you to speak to us in that place? Would we say like Mary, have your way. May your words and your will come to fruition in my life. So we pray, God, that we will be interrupters in the best way possible as we move forward. And would you bless and use every single one of these envelopes to awaken somebody to a great God who wants to do great things in them. Make it so. We love you and we thank you for sending Jesus to us. There is no greater gift. In his name we pray, amen. All right, I think we have a few envelopes left back there. Uh, If you know of somebody that might be able to use one, come find us. We'll try to give you some extras. But go out, church, and interrupt somebody in the best way possible. Have an amazing afternoon. Don't forget your dollar in the bin on the way out so we can replenish our supply. Be strong and courageous, church. God bless you.